0: For another gracious and awesome day that you made, and we come to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, as we come to dig a little deep in your Word tonight, we pray for your wisdom, your insight, and your understanding. Lord, uh, teach us, God, uh, how to really care. Teach us how to express that care uh, to those who you put in our pathway. You are an awesome God. We love you and we praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. All oh, God's children, say Amen. Uh, all right. All right. Okay, good folks. What we're going to do tonight is on Sunday, we left off uh, with our teaching series on Do You Really Care? We talked about experiencing prayer. So we'll have a little uh, discussion and writing time as it relates to you know what God utilizes prayer to do uh, in the lives of the believers here on earth. So uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn with me to Genesis chapter number one, verse 26 through, through 28. Uh, as you look in your outline, we said prayer is spiritual communication between man and God. It's a two-way relationship in which man should not only talk to God, but also listen to him. Okay? So that, that's critically important. So in our prayer lives, many times, uh, we, we've associated with prayer with asking God for what we need. Uh, and we ought to do that, uh, ask him for what we need, because he tells us to ask, right? We sing songs like, call on the Lord and you get an answer, right? Call on the Lord, call on the Lord. Yeah, how many of y'all remember that? Some of you old school folk, y'all remember calling the Lord and get an answer? All right, we ought to call on the Lord. uh, But prayer also involves us listening to the voice of God too. Prayer is a part of a two-way communication, all right? Two-way communication. We know and we understand in order to have Crucial communication we, in order to have uh, a, a, a conversation or a dialogue that must be speaking, but there must also be what? Listening. All right? So we're going to take a look at and go back to some uh, original design for mankind. And we're going to sh- see and we're going to pick out a past scripture from the book of Ezekiel that's going to show, show us that God is looking for a man or woman, He's looking for a people. Who will stand in the gap for others. All right? And when it when it comes to showing that we really care uh, and, sh- and being God's representative in the earth, one of the primary purposes that God has us here and leaves us here in the earth is so that we can stand in the gap for others. Alright? And so when we stand in the gap for others who are facing adversity, those who are in, in need of a, a helping hand, those who are who are who are going through those who just who who are in life and maybe they, they economically they're okay, but there's a void in their life that can only be filled by understanding and, and and embracing a personal relationship with the Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we'll we'll talk about that in just a second. So in Genesis chapter number one, verse number twenty six. Uh, let's read that together out out loud and on purpose. You popped it up. It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, again, when you look at this and, and look at our outline, we talk about the fact that um, uh, that, that God uh, when, he, when he created everything through his word uh, his crowning uh, creation was Adam when he made man after he made everything else when he made man again the, man, the, the name Adam means man or human being uh, and in fact the actual Hebrew word is Adam and it's used throughout the Old Testament to refer to humanity in general So when he made created Adam, he's creating humanity. But look at the outline. It says when you read these verses 1 through 26, what was God's intention for Adam in regard to the animals? Somebody, real quickly, what what was it? To to have dominion over them, to rule, right? Y'all got that? So the answer to that is to have dominion over them, to rule. And what was God's intention for Adam and Eve as a couple, based on this passage? Be fruitful and multiply replenish the earth, and what? Subdue it. Is that what it says? Let's go to the KJV. From the KJV uh, in Genesis 1, uh, verse number 28, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. What does that mean? Have some babies, all right? Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl there, and over every living thing that moved upon the earth. So that was God's purpose and uh, in, in, in assignment that he gave uh, to Adam and Eve, okay? To have dominion over, over, the, over the animals, and he told them to be fruitful, multiply, replace the earth, and subdue it. Now let's go to uh, Psalms, the eighth number, Psalm number eight, verses three through eight, right quick. Psalm number eight, verses three through eight. Uh, this, this is just some base stuff that uh, it's important, I think, for us to go back and understand God's original design. Now, we know and we understand that when Adam messed up and uh, Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, it distorted God's original design. But God's original design never went away. God, when God said what he said here in Genesis about being fruitful and multiply, uh, subdue, uh, rule, he still wanted man to do that. But now we know that when man ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then man abdicated or surrendered his authority that had been given to him by God. He surrendered that uh, to Satan, right? But God already had a plan to bring mankind back to a position where he would have authority in the earth realm. Y'all with me? And so when God's plan is fleshed out, we see through Jesus Christ and us accepting Christ as our personal Savior, then we have the authority to rule and to reign here in the earth. We have the power and the capacity to do so now that we've accepted Christ as our personal Savior. But watch what the text says here in Psalms number eight, verse number three says, What? When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, verse four says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visited him. For thou has made him a little lower than the angels. And has crowned him with what glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou has put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field. The fowl of the air and the fish of the sea. And whatsoever passes through the pass of the sea. O Lord, our, o Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all of the earth. Okay, so so the question is, what with what is man crowned based on what Psalm 8 and 3 says 83 through 8 tells us. Okay, it says he crowned man. When he made man he crowned him with what? Glory and honor. Everybody say glory and honor. Now y'all know we say it's safe to say that God's intention for Adam was to have dominion or rulership over the earth and everything in it. The Hebrew word for rule in Psalms 86 is is mashal, and it carries the idea of managing, stewarding, or governing. In effect, Adam, as well as his descendants, was intended by God to rule the earth as God's steward or manager. Okay. So now go to Psalms 115, that should be verse 16, not verse 6. Psalms 115, verse number 6. And the question is asked, what did God give to man? We'll see it right quick. Uh, So, if that was God's original intention, and now we know that Satan is known as the little God of this world, right? And the only way he got that was how? How How did Satan get to be the God of this world? Come on. Adam relinquished his authority when he disobeyed God, right? So, Satan is known as the God of this world. That's what scripture says. All right, but. Who was originally designed to have rule over the earth? Man was, right? All right. So look at what the text says in Psalms 115, verse number 16. Verse num- It should be verse number 16. I have a typo there. Psalms 115, verse number 16. Can we read together? It says what? The heaven, even the, he- the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But what? But the earth hath he given to the children of men. Read it again. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. So what did God give to man? The earth. So he gave to earth for man to have rulership over it, okay? Now, again, uh, when we go back on, on page two, that we said, when you read Genesis 2 and 15, the two responsibilities regarding the earth God assigned to Adam was to dress it and to keep it. Everybody say dress it and keep it, okay? Uh, in other words, to tend to it and to watch over it. So man was given a responsibility of tending to the earth and watching over it. But we know that when he violated God's will, he relinquished his authority and Satan became the little god of this world. But, but again, when we look at this, Adam, as, as we look in your outline, Adam's job and the job of those who would come from him, was to guard, protect, and manage the earth and its resources. Adam was to be God's representative enforcing his authority over creation. Adam was supposed to be God's representative. Don't forget that because all of us here today uh, when we, who are born-again believers uh, ought to recognize and know that the first Adam relinquished authority and control. But the second Adam, who is that? Did y'all know that the Bible refers to Jesus as the second Adam? The second Adam restored that authority and power to us, those who accept him as personal savior. So so now, as a recipient of the second Adam's authority that was given to us when he conquered death, because what is the wages of sin? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the first Adam, as we always say, messed it up, but the second Adam did what? Fixed it up. First Adam messed it up in the garden, but the second Adam, when he died on Calvary's hill, was buried and resurrected, gave us authority to now rule in the reign in the earth. Now, the, the question becomes is, do we understand that authority? And do we realize what kind of power and authority that we actually have? Amen? Because we have the second Adam abiding on the inside of us. When we have Jesus on the inside of us, then that means that we have the same authority that he commands. Now, that may seem a little uh, far-fetched to some of you, but they say, well, you know, Pastor, but we're fighting against the devil. You know, the devil, bad. Yeah, he's that bad, but you serve a God who's badder in a good sense. Can I get a witness? Sometimes we give the enemy too much credit And we don't recognize that God has invested his authority in us because his original design was what? For man to what? Rule the earth. So man relinquished it, but God, amen, already had a plan in in, in motion to to bring that authority back to to mankind. And and we can walk in that authority when we accept Christ as our personal savior, okay? Now, again, uh, when we look down... Uh, The Hebrew word for image, if we go back to Genesis 1 and 27, is selim, and it carries the idea of a shadow, a a phantom or an illusion. It means that something is so much like the original that at first glance it may be mistaken for the real thing. Adam was so much like his creator that he could have been considered his shadow. Because the Bible says, if you notice that, and we we read it all the time, but we kind of just fly by when we read it. He says, let us make man in our image and in our what? Likeness. Is that what it says? Look at it. It's on the screen. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. All right? So if he said, let us, us, meaning the triune God, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, us is plural, right? So in the beginning, Jesus was already there. He didn't just come here and imagine in Bethlehem. Y'all hear me say it all the time. So the triune God says, we're going to make God, we're going to make man in our image, in our likeness. All right? So 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 man is like God. And he God gave him rulership and authority over the earth. Now, again, Look at your next paragraph. This is an awesome revelation. Humanity is meant by divine design to represent God. We here on earth, as humankind, mankind, we were designed to represent God in the earth. But Brother Pastor, well, what does that got to do with do you really care? Well, it has a whole lot to do with do you really care? Because God wants to use us, those who've accepted the Savior, the second Adam, in our hearts. He wants to use us to represent him to mankind. (laughs) Y'all missing that. He wants to use you and I to show man that he loves him so that man will want to come to him. My question to you who are sitting there and to me also is what kind of representative have I been? When people see me, when they see you, do they want to find out who God is or do they want to run away from God? That's what I want to know. Because some of us, when people are around us, they don't want the God that we have because we act so ugly and so uncouth and so unbiblical-like and unchristian-like that people don't want to even come and be a part of the church that we're a part of. We are supposed to represent God in the earth realm. Go with me to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verse number 7. Okay, Look at that verse right quick. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, and we'll look at verse number 7. 1 Corinthians 11 says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image, now watch this, talk about man, he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Now watch this, he says man, talk about mankind, Man is, 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 is the image and the glory of God. Man is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Watch that. And, we, and again, we're not going to dissect this whole scripture, but, but the point I want to bring out, because some of y'all say, well, I ain't no man's glory. Yes, you are, woman. <laughs> <laughs> but the woman is the glory of the man. But what I want to focus on is, is that it, is, he's talking about, he says, For as much as he, to my man, is the image and the glory of God. We should be representing God. We, we should, God's glory and honor should shine through us in our life. Because what God is doing, he, he's looking for a man and a woman who will stand in the gap, amen, for mankind. Who will be that representative that 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 can that can be uh, that can show man who's hurting that God really loves them, that He really cares about them? Again, according to this verse, human beings are the glory of God, and as such, God is recognized in them. Now, again, we know what happened. Romans three and twenty-three. Uh, it says, uh, uh, "Let's go there, right? quick, we we'll read it. I don't want to quote it. Let's look at it, because I think we need to get in the habit of looking at the Bible, looking at the Scripture." Romans 3 and 23, one that you're all familiar with. It says, for all have sinned and come short, what? Of the glory of God. Well, if I just said that, that man, uh, he, God created mankind to, we, we just said, saw it in the scripture that for, to, to, to reflect His image and his glory, but this text says here, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Why did that happen? It happened because Adam sinned. So when Adam sinned in the garden, Everyone who was born is now born in sin and shaping what? In iniquity. When Adam and Eve were created, they were created in the image of God. Because he said it back in Genesis that let's create him in our image and our likeness. So God adorned man with his glory. Are you with me? I I think I might share with you all a few weeks back how it is that, that when Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed, the reason why they were not ashamed was because they were clothed with the glory of God. They saw the glory, the glory clothed them. So, so but when, when, when they sinned, the glory did what? Left, they said, oh, what's, oh, oh, let me cover up. And even God went and, you know, they covered up with fig leaves, but God went and did what? Sacrifice an animal and covered them. But the glory of God covered them such that they were naked and not ashamed. But once the glory left, It'd be just like, how many of y'all right now, if your clothes had disappeared off you now, you'd be shamed sitting up in here? I know it's hard to think about, but <laughs> nobody, I don't think anybody here would be, be parading around and and, and and just jumping and shouting because you butt naked <laughs> up in church. You'd be looking for these fig leagues up here, wouldn't you? These, the glory covered them so that they were naked and not ashamed. But we, because we're in a fallen, sinful world, we, we are naked and ashamed. But the good part about, think about this for a second. Babies, think about babies. This is a perfect illustration. Uh, Nancy, you got a little Emmy there. If little Emmy, uh, 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 is she crawling yet? If she, y'all pull all her clothes out, put on this thing, she will crawl around and be naked and not ashamed. You know why? Because she's at the age of what innocence, and when man was in the garden, it was an age of innocence; sin had not entered. And so with babies. Babies, babies will, you know, I've seen babies, run, you know, run away from mama. They try to put the pamp on. Them. They run outside. They ain't, they ain't shame. It's because they're innocent. But we, at the age of knowledge, now we realize that we, when we're naked, we are ashamed. Amen. So, but again. All, of, all who, it says, for all, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So let's go to Romans 5 and 12 right quick. So, what happened when Adam sinned? All who were born of Adam were born in sin and don't reflect the glory of God. When man was first created, he was created his image and his likeness, reflecting his glory. But once Adam sinned, all who were born of Adam and Eve now are born in sin and shaping their nickel. Romans 5, verse number 12. Can we read it out loud and on purpose? What does it say? And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So what's the long-term effects of Adam's sin? Huh? Death, death. Unless the rapture takes place, all of us are going to die one day. Amen? We don't know exactly when. We don't know when our time is up. But if the rapture tears another 2,000 years, another 100 years, if if it tears another 100 years, uh, most of us in here probably be gone. Can I get a witness? If you pass, if you're north of 40, you probably be gone. If you're north of, yeah, there's some people who've lived to be 120 years old still. Living, so if you're 20 or less, you may have a chance. But, but if you're north of that, you probably won't be here in 100 years, okay? But but the, but the, uh, but the fact remains is that, that it says, wherefore as by one man sin in, sin in the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sin. So, the consequence or the result of, of, of Adam, the long-term effect of Adam's sin is that everybody that's born of Adam is born in sin. And I don't know are we born in sin, but but death will come to our household if the rapture doesn't take place. Is that, are y'all following me? So, the long-term effect of Adam's sin is that all men die, right? All right, so, but, Again, go with me, uh, if we if, if, if look, look at 2 Corinthians third chapter, verse number 8, we must be changed back into God's image from glory to glory for this recognition to be realized. Again, 2 Corinthians 3 and 8, let's go there right quick. 2 Corinthians 3 and 8. Y'all still tracking with me? I'm just laying some foundation here. Because again, on Sunday we talked about experiencing prayer and how it's important for us to um, get to the point to where As Christians, we learn how to pray with people and pray out loud with people. Um, Because when you're going to visit someone or when you're at work or when you're uh, at school and someone begins to talk to you and begin to share with you maybe something they're going through and they don't know how to handle it and and they're, they're asking for answers, you need to be able to pray with them and to have the confidence that you're praying the right way and that your prayer is getting through to God. Alright? So, look at what the text says here. In 2 Corinthians 3 uh, verse number 8. Can we read it out loud and on purpose together? Ready? Let's read. Say it again. Let's go to the New Living Translation on that. 2 Corinthians 3 and 8 right quick. You pop it up. Okay. It says, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is what? Is giving life. Read again. Shouldn't, this is Paul talking to the church of Corinth. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, under the, the, the the new covenant uh, now that the Holy Spirit is what? Giving life. All right. Um, So the question is asked, how have you seen your life represent God to others. Somebody give me an example. How have you seen, quick example now, okay? Don't preach. How have you seen your life represent God to others? Anybody? How have you seen your life represent God to others? Anybody? Nobody can recognize how they've represented God to others? Okay, showing showing kindness, all right? Huh? Showing love? Anybody? Okay, patience. God is a patient God, yes. Listening, all right. Anybody else? Forgiveness, forgiving people, because God is a forgiving God, isn't it? Aren't you glad he forgives us? Aren't you glad that he doesn't throw us away because we messed up, we sinned against him? We, we hurt the heart of God when we sinned, but he, he gave uh, uh, his son to die on the cross to be the perpetuation for our sins, such that when we do mess up, we have an advocate with the Father, the one, the Savior, Jesus Christ, who's seated on the right hand of the Father, saying, God, I know they messed up, but my blood covered that. God, I know they acted a fool in that that store at the school, but my blood covered that. Are y'all, you ought to be thankful that the blood covers our mess ups. So when we forgive others, we show forth Amen. God's virtue and God's image when we do this. So there, there, there are of ways that 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 we that we can our lives can be utilized to represent God to other people. I mean, and that's that's what showing that we care is all about representing God to other people. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. Amen. By, you know, showing kindness, you know, helping someone when they're in need, uh, praying for people. OK, uh, leading someone to Christ, because that's what God wants us to do. All right. Uh, so the question becomes: how does this representation relate to prayer? How does it relate to prayer when you represent God uh, to people in how does it relate as a, it, you know, how does it relate in, in, in prayer? Anybody got an idea? How does it we, we say we, we have to represent God? But how do we do that in prayer? It's not a trick question. Just think about it. How do we how do we represent God through the avenue of prayer? Huh? Praying His Word. Somebody say something over here. Praying for others. All right. Anybody else? Praying for others. Praying His Word uh, into you know in, uh, intercession. Okay. Interceding on behalf of other people. In other words, we're gonna be we, we're gonna be. Uh, we're going to show that God loves them by going to them and and praying with them for them and praying through uh, situations for them. Because at that point in time, we'll begin. They'll begin to see the God's love through us when we go to them and we are comfortable enough to pray with them. Now again. Uh, there, are, I know some of y'all are not very comfortable with, with doing that, but my, my, my goal is, is to get you to understand it's critically important that you learn how to get comfortable praying with and for people. And praying for them out loud, not just bowing your head and being silent. Speak something. Death and life is what? In the power of the tongue. So we got to learn to pray for people. Let's go to the next page right quick. Why do you think God would choose to work through us to establish his plan on earth, skillfully weaving his will with our choices? Why do you think God chose to work through mankind? Anybody, just give, give, me, give me a thought. Moreover, you have any, any, any thoughts as to why he chose us? Any idea? No. Cassandra? Okay, he, he created us, he created man in his image and his likeness to have rulership and authority in earth. And so if we're going to have rulership and authority in earth, wouldn't it make sense that God would use us in the earth to get his will done? Now, God, God is God. He has all power in heaven at heaven his hand. God could he, he could, he could have, you know, like, you know, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he could have called 10,000 angels down and wiped mankind out. God, God could have, you know, God could have used a, 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 a multiplicity of ways to redeem mankind, but He chose man. As a matter of fact, He was so bent on using His creation to bring deliverance to His creation that He Himself poured out of Himself and got into a human body, got into the Earth ram to deliver mankind. Now, couldn't God have just just wiped everything out and start all over? He had the capacity to do that, but but his will was that he was going to use man to show the enemy that if he can take somebody who's a little lower, and that thing that's a little lower, if that thing that's a little lower is obedient to him, he can do more with that which is less than he can with some something that's more that's not dependent upon him. God is always, look throughout biblical history, God is always using the remnant. He's always using that which is small and because he wants no flesh to glory in his presence. But he also uses that which is small to tell the enemy that I can use somebody who's dependent upon me and who's not prideful. And I can do more through that person than I can a creature that's prideful and stuck on themselves. So he chose to use mankind to deliver mankind. That's why he was born and wrapped in human flesh. Because he came into the earth realm because in order to do this, amen, he had given man rulership and man lost it. So he used man to regain it. That's the kind of God we serve. Okay. Is everybody still with him? All right. So let's go. So God works through the prayers of his people. Watch this. Realizing how much authority God has given to us can be overwhelming because of the responsibility that comes with it. In Adam's case, He relinquished that authority by sinning against God. And Satan, the deceiver and the thief, gained a place of power in the earth because of it. All right? So let's look back at Luke, the fourth chapter. Y'all, this is familiar. And we talked about this. Luke, chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. What did Satan offer Jesus? Luke, chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. He said, I will give you what? The glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said. Because they are mine to give to anyone I please. Now, was he lying there? Was Satan lying when he said this? I got to ask the question. Was he lying when he says, because they are mine to give to anyone I please? You say yes, you say no. I need some help. Come on, argue your point. Quickly, quietly. Quietly. Okay. So the, uh, that, that being said, that... okay. So so in other words, his, his prayer was held up because uh, there was a a, a a demonic spirit that hovered over that region that didn't allow the answer to get through. Based on what Daniel told us. Okay. So 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 by that, what you're saying is that indicated that he had some authority. Okay. I got you, so Cassandra. The yes. Okay, Okay. he still owns and rules, but, but, but let me ask you this. Who's the God of this world? We, we talk, what, what is the, so if he's the God of this world, then that means that he has rulership, right? <laughs> yeah, he's the final authority, but who did he, okay, let's go back to the original creation. Who did he give authority on earth of? What did we just read? He said, man, he, he gave man the rule over the earth. Yes, we know he's sovereign, but in the earth realm, he gave the authority to whom? Man abdicated the authority when he sent in the garden that made Satan the, the little god of his world. First Adam messed up, second Adam what? Fixed it up. But when the second Adam fixed it up, that means when Jesus died, gave us authority, we have to walk in that authority. You can have authority and not know it and still be just as bad off as you didn't have it at all. Right? So the problem is, is that we have authority, but many times we don't know that we got that authority, we don't trust that authority, and we allow the one, amen, who, 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 who actually was the God of this world to trump over us because we're not walking in our authority. you follow following me? You're right, Jackson. he's sovereign, but he gave, he, he gave us the authority. And when God gives us authority, He's not going to, you know, he's not going to come in and do something that he's given us the ability to do. Are you following So God entrusted it to man. So man has to walk in that authority. And and so, again, we go back to the question is, what what do we (laughs) ask? The question is, was he lying there? Well, if he was lying, it wouldn't be a temptation. Think about that for a second. Go to the KJV on that right quick. Luke 4 and 6. If he was lying, then Jesus really, really, really wouldn't been tempted. How, would, how it, You can't tempt me to do something for a million dollars and I know you ain't got a million dollars. <laughs> you broke it in Cuda Brown. There ain't no temptation because I know you broke, you ain't got a million dollars. But Pastor, I'll give you a million dollars, you can run a mile. I ain't go out there and run because you, you don't have a million dollars. But if you have it, you say, leave Bible study, stop teaching those folks and go run a mile and I'll give you a million dollars. I'd be tempted to say, okay, Sister Adam, won't you come take my place? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not tempted if I know you don't have it. Watch this. The text says, and the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whosoever I will, I give it. He says it's it delivered unto me. It was delivered unto him when, when Adam sent in to God, okay? So, so the temptations that he came to Jesus with were real temptations because the Bible would not have said the Savior was tempted if he was not tempted. Let, let's b- back up, back up, uh, if you will, uh, real quickly. I don't want to run out of time. Back up. It says, um, verse number five, and the devil taketh him up unto the high. High mountain showed him, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore would worship me, all this should be yours. Now, you got to remember this now. Jesus understood why he came, he came to redeem mankind to give mankind the authority that the first Adam relinquished. All right? So, but in order to give mankind the authority, he knew he had to go to the cross, die, be separated from God, in order to give the authority back to mankind. All right? So now, if you know you got to be crucified and go through excruciating pain in order to, to get the authority back, would it be a temptation to take a shortcut? How many of y'all have been tempted to take a shortcut when it comes to, come to doing some of everything? How many of y'all want a shortcut to lose weight? Give me some pills, let me sleep it off. Come on now. If, if, if that was a real pill that you could take once a week and you could drop 10 pounds, you'd be the, the richest person on earth. Huh? Because some of y'all be marking y'all house to get that pill. All right? So, so there w- this was a temptation because Jesus was not looking forward to being separated from his father, but he knew what he had to do. He says, Father, if there's any other way for this thing to get accomplished, let this cup, the cup of crucifixion and separation, be departed from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So it was a temptation. It was a real temptation. It was, but Jesus overcame it. Are y'all with me? So he offered them that. So, uh, and we know how it had been handed over. Adam, the first Adam had handed that authority over to him. Um, skip that one. So, so if, if we as Adam's descendants are meant to represent God, does everything depend on us? Well, a lot does. Because God chose to use us. We know God is sovereign. Come on. And we know that ultimately his will is going to be done. Because God, God he's the Alpha and the maker. He's the beginning and the end. He knows what's going to transpire. But the word is clear that God is completely and perfectly independent of anything outside of himself. He is. He just is. God is. Period. As I'm saying. And he already has all the resources need. he needs. But he and his sovereignty... Design this world in such a way that people's choices and decisions will impact the course of history. And God chose to use us. He chose to use preaching. He chose to use prayer and intercession to deliver people. He chose to use man. He chose to use you and I. So we've got to quit talking about, you know, sending the angels here. And we have angelic beings, but we got to start going places. God, I dispatch your angels right now in the name of Jesus over the sister's house and pray over. You go over there and pray. Because man, God wants to use us. He's invested power and authority in us to go and to pray for people. Okay. Are y'all with me? Go to Ezekiel 22 and 30 right quick. Ezekiel 22 and 30. Come on. Hurry, hurry. Ezekiel 22 and 30. I'm going to stop on this. Well, let's, let's, I got to, I got hang on. Let me get a couple more things and I'm, I'm going to let you go. All right. Ezekiel 22. And let's look at verse number 30. Y'all there? The text says, And I sought for a man among them, that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, said the Lord God. He said, I sought for a man. God is looking for a man or woman uh, who can stand in the gap, make up the heads? Make up the head means stand in the gap. There are people, guys, that need you and I to stand in the gap for them. There are people who need to experience the love of God by us going to them and praying with them and showing the agape love that abides on the inside of us. They, they need to God is looking for a man to stand in the gap because stand in the gap for the land, we we, we we, as a body of believers need to be praying for this nation. God is looking for Christians to stand in the gap and pray for this nation. Pray for this city, this state. God needs that, okay? So, it, now again, when I say he needs that, he's looking for that. God is sovereign, true enough. But he chose to use man to get his will done in the earth realm. And he's looking for a man, men and women who, are, who will be faithful enough to commit themselves to a discipling process where we can grow and develop and be that powerful person uh, who can who can pray and intercede on behalf of other people. Okay? Are y'all with me? Now, we have an incredible opportunity to partner with God. I don't know if I don't, we the Bible even said this, we are workers together. We are co-laborers with Christ Jesus. That means a co-labor means that we work together with God. We don't just step back and we said just watch God move. Yeah, we're watching the move, but God wants to use us in laboring to minister to people. Okay? So now let's get to the next page right quick, Verse page number four. Jesus teaches, and we, we talked about this a little bit on Sunday. Jesus teaches us how to pray. And I'm not going to go over all of this tonight, but I, I want you to uh, uh, take it home, and I want you to go through and study. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this on next Wednesday, okay? But I want you to take it home and go through and study because here we saw where Jesus uh, taught his disciples how to pray, okay? Uh, and again, in our outline, we, we talk about the fact that Jesus, while he prayed, something captured the, the attention of the disciples. And and so they, they 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 said, Lord, just like John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray, teach us how to pray. So what I want you to do is go home and pray uh, Study the rest of the outline that I gave you, and and we're going to, um, we'll, we'll come back on next week, and we'll take a look at um, uh, this part of, because I think I think this is really important. Prayer is really important. Uh, and then on the, the last page, it talks about, and I think I may have given these before, things that hinder prayers from being answered, because sometimes you look at your prayer like that, hey, don't say like I'm getting nothing through, Pastor. You ever felt that way before? Well, here's some things scripturally that may be hindering your prayers from being answered. And then when you look at what effective prayer can accomplish, man, you realize that we have an awesome tool that's available to us as believers that many believers aren't utilizing uh, to its full potential and capacity. The power of prayer to affect change in the earth realm is an awesome awesome tool that we have at our disposal but yet and still many Christians don't truly pray in earnest and so uh, we, we got we to we get there for this body to, to accomplish the things that God wants to accomplish through this body it's going to take us being a praying church not just saying we pray but actually literally praying and interceding on behalf of people because that's how we're going to show that we really care, okay? So what we're going to do, I'm going to cut my time tonight. And so next week, we're gonna, I want you all to hit, hit, hit the rest of this. And we'll talk a little bit about this on next week um, as we also talk a little bit about disciple, discipleship, okay? So next, go, go home and, and uh, hit the last three pages, okay? And, and you study that, and then we'll come back on next week and um, go a little deeper, okay? Everybody still with me? All right. So you have uh, you have an assignment. All right. I want you to run scripture references. Look up the scripture. OK. And um, I want you to uh, make sure that you that you study this and we'll, we'll go over it on next week. Amen. All right. So we're finished for the night. Uh, do we have any prayers?